Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 18th of July, 2020. As Christians, we have such a treasure in the Word of God such a treasure in the scriptures. And really, we don't have just a treasure. It's like the Bible is a treasure chest full of so many different wonderful things that God communicates to us through his word. And I'm sure for all of us, if we're Christians and we've read through the Bible, there are different verses that kind of stick out as particularly precious to us. I mean, you probably have a favorite Bible verse, or maybe a few that jump to mind as favorites, or there might be particular promises in God's word. We know there are many promises in God's word, but there may be particular ones that are are, are precious and meaningful to you in, in special ways. And today we see one of those promises that I would say is just one of my favorite, one of the most precious promises in the scripture to me. And that is when God tells his people, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, there are different times where God says this promise to specific individuals, um, but we know from Hebrews 13, this is how God feels about all of his people. He will never leave or forsake his people. But today, we're going to look at one of the times that that promise was said to a specific individual. And even it wasn't God making the promise, it was a father making this promise to his son about God, and that father was King David, and that son was King Solomon. And that's why we're looking at First Chronicles 28 and 29 today. And this is the end of First Chronicles, so it's going to bring us really uh, to the end of King David, and we'll pick up now the story of King Solomon as we move into Second Chronicles. But today really focuses on that handoff and gives us a window into that passing of the baton between King David and his son Solomon. And so let's look at the the verse there. We we see David in verse twenty eight, or sorry, chapter twenty eight. All those people that were listed in all those previous chapters, well, now they're all gathering together for David to make this final speech. But David then gets really talking to his son. And the word that he says to his son that I'm referring to starts in verse 20. It says, Then David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Now that rings a bell. Usually lots of times we think of be strong and courageous. That was what God told Joshua as he was preparing to enter and conquer the promised land. But here it is said by David to Solomon, especially the context is David has made the preparations. Now Solomon has to actually go and build the temple. Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. So there, David, he makes that promise to his son that the Lord God, Yahweh, even David saying, my God, he will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you. So be strong and courageous. 
So when we think about that promise, and again, it's a promise that that we can hold on to because we know from Hebrews 13, that's how God feels about you. If you are a believer, he will never leave you or forsake you. There's three things that I want you to notice about that, that promise today. And the first notice, David is even specifically making this promise, not in reference to just whatever Solomon's hopes and dreams were. Specifically, he is talking about Solomon seeking to serve the Lord. And that's important for us. Another passage that comes to mind as I think through that is Matthew chapter 6, where God tells us, or Jesus specifically, is, is telling the people in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, you don't need to worry. If God takes care of the birds, if God takes care of the flowers, he's going to take care of you. But remember how that all ends. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that's just something that would be good for us to remember. Even when we think about a favorite promise like this, it should be more meaningful to us when the focus of our lives is on seeking God, seeking his kingdom, seeking to serve him. When we start making our lives all about ourselves and our own desires and our own wishes, that's when we can be warned even. Uh, That's when anxiety and our priorities get out of focus and, and our lives can get out of whack. God wants us to keep our focus on him. And one of the things that should motivate us to do that is that he will never leave us or forsake us. A couple other things that I want you to pick up on from David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29, which I think affect this promise as we think about he will never leave us or forsake us. One is the prayer that he makes in second, sorry, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. So again, we see the importance of having a high view of God. That's the second thing, because how is the promise that God will never leave you or forsake you comforting if we aren't understanding who God is? But when we understand that this God who is with us, he is the one that everything belongs to him and everything is determined by his will and he is in control over everyone. That's the God who will never leave us or forsaking. Wow, the promise gets even more precious when you understand who God is. So God will never leave us or forsake us. First, let's remember that con- that should encourage us to seek him first and his priorities and serve him. Second, let's have a high view of God. And third, let's respond in gratitude. David is saying that. And you even get when he says, even my God, he's taking this all personally. And he's making the promise, God will never leave you or forsake you because 
He has experienced that himself, from being a shepherd and defending his father's sheep, to defeating Goliath, to being on the run from Saul, to being the king, to dealing with problems, all of it, he has never seen God leave him or forsake him. And look at David's perspective, even at the end of his life. That's where we pick it up in verse 14. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. So even here, we've seen there has been an offering given to the temple uh, that he's referring to, and it was a very generous offering. And he's even saying, even for the offering that we're giving you, we want to thank you for that because, because you own everything, it's all come from you anyways. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, and all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own, right? And and we just see this grateful heart that David has because he knows God has been with him. God has never left him. God has forsaken him. God has given him everything that he has. So I want us to take a hold of that promise today that God will never leave you or forsake you. And let's focus on serving that God. Let's have a high view of that God. And let's be grateful to our God for these promises. And some of these aspects that we're seeing will now go into the other passages that we're looking at today. Let's turn now to Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And here, again, we see this high view of God because we meet someone who has a high view of God. We meet a Roman centurion, probably not what you were expecting, someone to have a high view of God. But basically, this centurion, he has a servant who is sick. And Jesus is going to heal this centurion. But the centurion, you know, sends messengers to go meet Jesus and say, hey, you don't even need to come to my house and I don't want to put you through that trouble. And then he says, verse in verse seven, he says, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes. And I say to another, come and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith where he, he he sees faith in this centurion because the centurion says, Jesus, you have authority. All you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't need to come to my house. You, you can heal him from anywhere. And that's the kind of faith that we need to have in God if we're having that high view of God that we saw there in First Chronicles. And we see this high view of God that he owns everything and his is the greatness and the power and the glory that when we look at problems in our lives, we know God's in control. And it, all it would take from him is just saying a word to change things. So I will trust him and know that he will never leave me or forsake me. And we also talked about David's gratitude in response for all that God had had done for him. And we're going to see more of that gratitude as we go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 13. And today we see Paul talking about 
a mystery. Ooh, the suspense. What is he talking about? What's so mysterious? Well, he even defines what a mystery is. And he talks about that a mystery is something that was not known in other generations, but now has been revealed to the apostles and the prophets by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I mean, it's not super suspenseful because he says what the mystery is right there in verse five. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the mystery that maybe people in the Old Testament didn't quite understand was that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs and members of the same body. And then we start to see this gratitude that Paul has in verse seven. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you see that gratitude that he has that he realizes, man, I don't deserve this. It is a privilege to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we see some of that confidence that he has as we get to verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering, which is your glory. But he talks about the confidence that we have through faith in Christ and the boldness that we have. We're seeing some of these same lessons throughout the passages we're looking at today, that God will never leave us or forsake us. We want to serve God. We want to have a high view of God and his power and be grateful even for the opportunity to serve God. Now, yesterday we we talked about praying for revival. We even saw that phrase, revive us again from Psalm 85. Well, today we read the second half of the Psalm, verses 8 through 13. And even just as we think about praying for revival, see the confidence that the psalmist had as they prayed for revival. Look at verse 9. It says, surely his salvation is near to those who who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Again, this idea, he will never leave us or forsake us. His salvation is near to those who fear him. And then there's the confidence in verse 12. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. That even in the yearning for revival, there is a confidence and a patience trusting God to act. And I hope you are filled with that trust today. And then as you go through today, you have a confidence and a joy and a peace that comes from knowing that God will never leave you or forsake you. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.